This is Authors in Focus. James Reed, fantasy author publishing under JMD Reed. The first volume of my epic 12-book fantasy series, Shadow of the Dragon, is available for purchase. Check out Foundation of Courage. Today, I'm joined by S.J. Wilkie. She's the author of Crossing in a Heartbeat. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm doing very well, thank you. And yourself? Oh, I'm doing good, doing good. It's been a lazy Monday. So I do my interviews on Mondays these days because it's my lazy day of the week. Okay. So, how you doing? Good. I spend every day writing, so this was a writing day. Well, yeah, I also wrote today, but it was a lazy writing day where I didn't write, like, 20,000 words. I wrote, like, 14,000. That's still quite a few. I'm happy <laughs> if I get to 3,000. Yeah, well, it's like I, I ghostwrite, so that was all just ghostwriting stuff. Then I kind of lazed away the rest of the afternoon. But anyways, I like to start this out with a fun question or two. So, sir, are you a Pepsi or a Coke person? Coke. Coke, okay. Yeah, I grew up in a Pepsi household, so. There's actually a story about Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola actually started out as a stomach calming ailment because Coke syrup is what parents used to give their kids if they had an upset stomach. Okay, cool. Yeah, I heard something about that. And they also use really different ingredients. And this is back about yeah. the 1800s when they were like, it's a, when they're trying, when they're trying to make everything into a medicinal drink. Correct. There, was a, there was a strange, like, healthcare like, thing that went on in the like, late 1800s. It's kind of like the one that went on in the late, you know, 20th century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's funny. I guess that trend came back. So, how long have you wanted to be an author, Sarah? How long have I wanted to be an author? Yeah, before you actually went and did it. Forever. I was always the wallflower, so I, I did a lot of writing just to keep myself company. So I think I've always wanted to be a writer, but when you're younger, you just don't have enough experience or material to do so. And so I had to wait till I get some experience of life. I get that. I used to write because I could pretend I was taking notes and instead I was just not listening to my teacher because they were boring. Correct. So that was that was my high school. (laughs) I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm just I'm right. I'm not. I'm paying attention. Of course, I am just sitting here writing. Mm -hmm. They don't yell at you for writing. Like they're just like, oh, look, you must be a studious person. And and he gets like. He gets bees, so he's, he's like, doing something, and I'm just, like, not listening. Yeah, as long as you read the book, you get through it. That's right. I was a B student. That's where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be one of those A students that had to work for stuff. I was School wasn't that important to me when I was in high school. It was, uh like, you know, I just had to go there every day. Yeah. So I might as well make the best of it. And that's why by the time I was a senior in high school, I was in computer program, not a computer networking class, yeah. where we just played video games all day. Mm-hmm. That's it. We networked the computers together so we could play, like, 2 or uh, Doom or whatever. And our teacher just, like, sat in the corner and drunk vodka quietly because he was, like, going to retire at the end of the year and he didn't care anymore. Oh, well, that's a great teacher. <laughs> well, yeah. he tried to teach us in the beginning, but, like, it was a bunch of nerds. And so, like, we all knew all the stuff he wanted to teach us. So yeah. he just gave up after a week. Yeah, Quake and Doom are great games. Yeah, yeah, so it was great. And for some reason, my school let me take that class for two periods uh, back-to-back for some reason and counted as elective credits. So <laughs> I don't know what my school is thinking. It was it was the 90s. They didn't know anything. No one knew anything about computers, so they didn't know what we were doing. But um, anyways, let's talk about one of your mini novels. You have a lot of them, right? 20 of them out so far? 
I'm on the twentieth one right now. Nice, nice. So let's uh, let's talk about crossing in a heartbeat. So we have a uh, Kara. She seems to be living a pretty dull existence. She doesn't seem to have a lot of fulfillment in life. She just works. She has friends who just want to go and get drunk, and she starts hearing things, seeing things, dragons. You know, things that can't exist. Uh, tell us more about Kara and what's going on with her. Right. This, you know, er, uh, people who have had a boring job in the world of cubicles, you know, they can relate to daydreaming and just sitting there and wanting to be somewhere else. And here's Kara, who's she's an engineer. She's not doing engineering work. She's doing do- boring documentation and she's having these hallucinations, but they're feeling awfully real, very real. And through some of her own investigations, she's like, she seems to be dropping into somebody else's body. And she figures out that this person has a heart condition. And then one evening, she realizes this woman is dying and she actually has a panic attack. And she's like, what do I do? If this person dies, do I die? And, you know, she's totally being totally irrational, decides to go to an emergency ward, if anything, just to calm her down for thinking all these silly things that just can't happen. And uh, so she decides she better not drive. So she's going to go take one of the subway trains and she gets down there and just has another panic attack and jumps in front of a train. Oh, and lands on a dragon. That's an interesting transition. It's not what you would expect when you jump in front of a train. No, it's not. So she suddenly finds herself in this world that she had been having hallucinations of. Okay. All right, so that's uh, so it's like a portal fantasy, pretty much. Cool. Yeah, so that's 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 a little bit more exciting than um, your boring office job. Yes, it is. It's quite different, but uh, she also grows and realizes she has value in her life, and she ends up in a world that she can actually use her expertise and uh, her inner strengths, and uh, she grows quite a bit during the book. Well, that sounds like a really good uh, premise to a story. How about the old woman? Does she die? Like, or does that come back? Or I'm just curious now about this no, old woman. Oh, do I do I tell you that's part? No, of it's cool. If it's a big spoiler for the book, let's not let's not <laughs> read it for people. I was just curious, uh, but yeah, but, no, because yes, the, the it, what happens is she has actually changed places with the woman. Oh, okay. So that woman ends up in front of the train and not her. And not really in front of a train. Actually, she just fell down into the, the rails. The train wasn't coming towards her. Okay. It was a train on a different track. Oh, well, I hope that woman gets medical attention. I know it's, um, I've read that, like, when women, like, have heart attacks, they don't have a lot of warning signs. Like, men get the chest pain a lot. Yep. But women just don't, and it's very silent for them. So that's kind of, so I've heard that, and that's kind of scary, I think. So, so, now, so, now, so now that I've gone from... The normal world where you have laws and physics. Now we're breaking all the rules because now she's flying on a dragon and we end up finding trolls, um, you know, the hunky, gorgeous looking guys, kingdoms, uh, you know, royalty, you, you name it. We're, we're now in the realm of anything's possible. So, uh, where did this sort of the idea for this story come from? A boring office job. <laughs> <laughs> So you just, uh, you were the boring office job and you're just sitting there like supposed to be working, but there was nothing really to do. So you just sort of stared off into the well, the beige of your cubicle wall. I wasn't 
I'm, I wasn't in a boring office job when I wrote this. I wrote, actually just finished this earlier this year, so um, I'm a, a full-time writer now. Yeah. But I have had boring office jobs, and I can't remember what sparked this, but it just sounded like an interesting concept to go from the modern world into this almost medieval type of atmosphere where everything goes, and you've got this woman who's got to totally adjust to this new environment. You know, there, there's even different fruits and vegetables. You know, she's like, what the heck is that? What's a titterbunt? You know, and trying to figure out what all this is. And what's more interesting is she has taken the place of this woman she swapped with. So she has to figure out how well she's going to blend in. Does anybody notice? Uh, yes, they do. And how well she is, you know, allowed to continue as this other person. That's a very unique premise. It works that she's a very nice person, and the one who was before her, who she took place was, was not a nice person. So everybody kind of likes working with the nicer person than the the not-so-nice person. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I get that. So uh, you had a boring office job once upon a time. Yep. What were you doing in the office? Um, I was an IT professional. Oh, okay. Well, there's times, you know, you just have to wait for something to go wrong. Other times you're just dealing with people that are idiots and... Try your well, patience. Yeah. Yep. That's most of them. Did you ever watch the IT crowd? Uh no, I did not. It's a BBC comedy about the two the IT department and the idiot manager they have. That's like she's has no IT experience, but like she got the job just because she, she put on her like C V that she took a computer class or something. And so she gets made their manager. She has no idea about any of it. And it's just, it's hilarious, like British, in the way British comedies are, you know, like the snark and the. You know what? I think I worked for her. <laughs> I'm not, I, I have a feeling someone, one of the writers on that show worked in IT in the business world because it's just, it's a little too much of the, uh, yeah, they definitely kind of just the monotony of it, the dealing with the, the dumb coworkers, having <laughs> a manager that didn't know what they were doing. It's very difficult to come up with something original because you think, oh, no one's ever thought of this. Oh, yeah, they have. Just go find it on YouTube. There it is. That's, um, yeah, I mean, that's, there's no there's no new stories. There's just remixing. That's fine. That's all we need. Humans have been telling the same seven stories anyways for like 70,000 years. So Yeah. Well, so what I do is I try and do a, a different twist. So there are a few twists in Crossing in a Heartbeat because she was brought over there for a purpose and you really don't realize what her purpose really was until closer to the end. So there are some twists. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so how does your writing process go? Are you like a pantser or do you plot everything out religiously? No, what I normally have is, you know, I, I, I have this scene in my head, like a, you know, like the beginning of a movie, I always introduce the main characters on the first chapter. They're always doing something so you get an idea of who they are, you get a feel for them. And and then I always go and write the ending because I know how I want the book to end. And then you fill in the middle. And you always have to remember life happens. You know, these are humans, even though, you know, they're fictional characters, but they still have to eat, go to the bathroom, take a shower, um, go to work and blah, blah, blah. So you've got the main plot where you're following this person through their life. And then I always like to throw in some subplots. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, I mean, you always want to start your, like your first chapter to really be telling the audience, like who your main character is, you know, like, um, without, and, 
without spelling it out really, but like just through right. their actions. And so like right. what you introduce them doing should be very relevant <laughs> or the journey you're about to take them on. Right. Yeah. You know, like like we we get introduced to Tara where she's, you know, trying not to fall asleep while she's in front of her computer editing somebody else's bad documentation, you know. Gotcha. Okay. That sounds like a tedious job. You yes. said the word editing and my eyes glazed over because I hate <laughs> it. But uh, maybe you're different. Maybe you like editing. I, I know some authors that love editing their books and I don't get it. I don't mind editing, but I can actually, I've come to believe from what I've read from early, you know other writers that what I call a rough draft might be a finished product to them. It probably is. And so, you know, that first chapter is pretty much the first chapter. Once in a while, I'll get feedback. Like there wasn't an instance in a book. I had a beta reader read it, and they didn't like where one chapter was or what was happening in that chapter. And I actually moved it. And if you asked me where that chapter had been originally, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. But the, my beta reader was correct. It needed to be moved up into the book because it was almost introductory type material about the character. You know, my first series, I had a lot of that, a lot of that. But like, I'm like you, I'm on my 20th or so novel. And like you get, I think you just, it's his experience. That you know how to tell your, you know how to plot better, maybe. Like, you just you just feel, like, how the story should flow better than you did when you wrote that first novel. Yes, I think so. Yeah, so I think that's the, because I don't usually have to, um, in my last, you know, project, I don't usually have to do, um, like, go back and add stuff, like, big stuff. Maybe tweak things, obviously. Like, it needs tweaking and stuff, but not, like, where I need to go, like, oh, no, I need to, like, rearrange chapters or I need to... Like, I, I completely spaced on something, or I, I need this. I call, them, I call them continuity er- errors. I've had, did have one of those in the finale of my last series, where I, I had, like, I, like, I had set up, like, when the, when the major catastrophe happens, like, X is supposed to happen, right? Like, all, like, magic is supposed to stop working. Yep. And so I had it happen, and then I forgot magic was supposed to stop working. Uh, yeah. Like it slipped my mind in my plotting, and so I I I wrote like four or five chapters, and I'm like, and like it wasn't like everyone was using magic, but there was like two characters that were using magic, and I'm like, you're gonna have to give them. Oh, a I have to go, but I, I I I realized that in the middle of my rough draft, like I'm I'm in mid writing, going like, oh wait a sec, he can't be using magic now. I'm like, oh wait a sec, I need to go and fix like that. So that's like the first time in a long time I've had that, but I wasn't. It wasn't like I had to re, it was just like I had to re, it wasn't like, and the magic in this one isn't like, like in one person, they just like were casting, it was easy to fix, um, and I, I cheated by saying like it, the bad guys knew this would happen, so they, I, they're like enchanted items, and the enchanted items would still have their charge. But right. Like there just was no more energy that fueled the magic in the atmosphere, but anything that was charged would still function in this period. So that mm-hmm. let me just change around, like, the bad guys to where they're using, like, artifacts instead of their own casting. And then I just had to change my main character, stop them using this one little spell. And then it was, so it was good. But it's, I'm glad I caught it, because it would have been pretty, people, everyone would have been, like, calling me out on it, because, like, hey, wait a sec. Yeah. Like, you said this is how the magic works, and then they just destroyed what powers the magic in the universe. Mm-hmm. Why is there magic? 
I love it when my readers find those errors because a then I can go correct them. Yeah. But you know that doesn't bother me. There, I had one person. I had uh, I'd just been throwing a book chapter by chapter out on a free site just to get feedback on it. Right. And these were what I was calling rough drafts. And this lady started proofing <laughs> and writing corrections in the comments. And I'm like, cool. Thanks for editing my book. <laughs> yeah. No, I've done that. Where. See, that's why I like writing an entire book series before I release them, because then I can really go like, oh, hey, I need to go back and set something up I didn't know I was going to need, you know, in book five, and I can go seed it through the previous book so it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere. It feels like I set it up like I had a plan, right? I have a question to ask you that somebody asked me, and I didn't have a good answer. Sure. How do you know when a series is done? I know when a series is done because I have an end point. Like, all my series serve a purpose. Like, they have a point to them where they're going. So I don't write episodic series that can just go on and on and on and on. I write stories that, like, there's a definite point where it's going to be, like, the end. Or there's something like this is sort of like what the villains are building towards, and this is what our characters are going to stop, and it's going to mm-hmm. be at the end of the final book series. Now, what book that is... That's kind of like a feeling thing where I kind of, I might not even know when I start writing the series exactly. Um, like my Shadow of the Dragon series, I knew where the endpoint was, but I didn't know how many books it would take me to get there. Okay. But like I knew it. So it's like I had a definite goal, definite point where this is where the series ends. I just don't necessarily know how many words it's going to take me to get there at the beginning. Yeah, I actually never intended to write a series, but I started one book and my stepdaughter goes, well, you got to write another one of the same character. So now there's actually five books in that series. That's my, my banter series that follows a uh, a female gun for hire who starts working for the police. Yeah, and that can get like with sort of that where it's just like every book's like a new adventure for the character. Yeah, like, pretty you much. Know, the, like the Bond films or, you know, well, plenty of urban fantasy, you know, books fall in that or, you know, detective novels or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I get that. That one's like, when do you stop it? I guess when the character, you're bored with the character. Or, or, or I pass off. or <laughs> Yeah, or. It's going to end when I stop writing it, and that's probably, you know, when, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's like, I think there's definitely like, I just, I have yet to ever write a character like that. I tend to write worlds, and the worlds have like, the world was created for a point, and that point is. You know, because I write, like, epic fantasy, so it's like there's some sort of, like, cosmic, cataclysmic thing I'm building towards. Okay. You know, that, yeah. So, like, I have, I have like, goals with it. Um, and usually I shoot for, like, I like five. I think that's a good number for a series. But uh, I think my current one, I'm going, I'm thinking at seven. That just feels like where I want to be as I'm starting the third book. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's it's always a... I don't know, maybe one day I'll write something like that, but uh, I've only ever written one series where it was just a single character POV. I did that kind of experiment, but it also was at the same point where there was a goal in it with the character, but it was kind of, I just wanted to give it a try. But I actually like writing uh, ensemble stories, I like having more than one, like, like protagonist, basically. Okay. Yeah. Well, I keep everything from one single point of view. It's always a female character. Um, I try and keep, keep either she starts out as a strong character and grows or she starts out not so strong but grows into a strong character. Yeah, that's. I mean, that tends to be where I'm at. It was actually a, a female character where I went. I tried to go. So I was like, I was, I was pushing myself to write 
an like a female character for the entire series. Because like um like it's easy male male characters are a lot easier for me, right? And um yeah. so I was I was trying to push myself. You have experience from that point of view, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So it's kind of like a so I kind of just wanted to to write it, and she was a fun character. She had a whole redemption arc. She and it's fun because she's learning to be like a like a fantasy thief. You know, and she's already got some of it. Cause she's already like this, like noble woman. She kind of knows. So she, they recruited her because they needed someone to get her in, needed someone in parties. And so she's mm-hmm. already got like the perfect cover because she's like this foreign noble woman that, you know, she's very exotic compared to the locals, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so she's like she she ha- she already has a reputation, you know, of being like a party girl, as it, as we would put it in modern times. So then, but. She had also had come to this point of like being not satisfied with this life. And so this is like her chance to do something different. Yeah. And then they tell her like, and now we need you to infiltrate the palace as yourself. And she's like, Oh, but they teach her thief stuff and she gets to use her thieving stuff. And you know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a handsome prince and all that fun stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah. But yeah, that was a fun series. And, uh, and then also took a character that was like the ex-girlfriend of my main character, the previous series. And so he has a very, bad um view of her because of how their relationship ended and so like you read that book and you won't have a good opinion on her so i also was like to take this character that if you had read the other series you would think this is a horrible person now i'm going to make you like her <laughs> that's the other thing yeah. i did which i like to do i like to i don't know i like to write characters that are i don't know <laughs> i don't know i like writing different characters that's the fun i don't want to write the same character I have a bitten series, and I made the main male character, you know, a horrible assassin, who bloodthirsty killer, and everybody loves him. You know, I got this, like, barbarian that's, yeah, he's kind of like that, just like, you know, he gives no Fs, and, you know, he drinks, he wenches, and he wants to fight. That's really all he wants to do, and he's jocular, but he's got a very dark past in my current series. So I'm kind of, I don't know, like, I haven't, no one's really read the series yet, but I have a feeling... <laughs> People might like him, even though he's, like, not a very good person, at least at the start. We'll see how his mm-hmm. character arc goes. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna make him suffer in book three. So we'll see if that can push him into a, a better person than he is right now. Yeah. Because uh, he's going he's gonna to make a very big mistake, and it's going to cost him. And it's going to be horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm getting giddy with the possibility of putting this guy through the ringer. I'm a terrible person. Ooh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get into it, but um, yeah, but like, I think I think there will be people that will just like because I think he's a fun character. Like it, like he has a lot of bad traits, but I think he does have like loyalty, right? So he's he's going to stick up for his friends. You know, mm-hmm. he's going. He's a straight shooter, so he's just going to tell you how he thinks it is. He's not going to, you know. So I think, so I think he has enough positive characteristics that his negative ones will kind of balance out to make readers like him. Hopefully. Yeah, or I messed up and they'll hate him. But you know, it's just all like no one's gonna like all your characters anyways. And if one of the characters doesn't work for them, there's like it's an ensemble cast, so there's plenty of characters. Yeah, people hopefully like. But uh, anyways, so um, where can our listeners uh, connect with you, Sarah? Like on the internet? Well, I'm on Facebook. Um, I actually don't do a lot of multimedia only because I'm too busy writing. But I've got a website, which is IamSarah.com. I always tell people there's no H in Sarah. I had the H beat out of me. But uh, yeah, that's how my grandmother spells it. Yeah, 
I have people who find me on Facebook and they chat with me. Um, I actually had a reader contact me because she was starting to read my um, Bitten series, which has, uh, you know, the bloodthirsty assassin guy in it. And she wanted to make, she has certain triggers and she wanted to make sure that these books didn't contain any of those triggers. And, and, uh, I told her, nope, there's no triggers in there that you're going to have a problem with once she'd explained what her problem was. But, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I've, I've seen people want to know, you know, have trigger warnings on certain books because they can't stand, you know, certain violence or rapes or things like that. Yeah, no, I understand that. Uh, I don't know. I write but some face- stuff sometimes. So. Yeah. Well, Facebook, um, and, yeah, Facebook and my website is pretty much, you know, my how people can can find me. Um, you know, the books are always on Amazon and, you know, other ebook platforms. Okay, so, cool. Well, it was really great chatting with you, Sarah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was yeah. good to hear about some of your uh, adventures with your books. Always fun to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, thank you for stopping by. Have a good one. I will. Thank you very much. This has been Authors in Focus. You can find my fantasy novels on Amazon. Follow news of my writing at my blog, jmd-read.com. And follow me on Twitter, at jmdread. You can also join my reader group on Facebook, Fantastical Worlds of the Imagination. You can find more episodes of the podcast at fantasy-focus.com and wherever your favorite podcast is hosted.